0: Good morning, Jerry.
1: Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me once again.
0: Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, we're here to talk about When You Were Mine, which is uh, the second song off of Dirty Mind on the track listing. And it was never released as a single in the United States, but it was a B side to Controversy. Plus, it was featured on the Hits and B Sides collection from the 90s. So, even though it wasn't officially a single, it has a lot of popularity among the Prince community. I feel like a lot of people know this song, which isn't, you can't necessarily say that about a lot of Prince's non-singles from the early eighties.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, for what I, I guess that, you know, the information that, you know, that I have gathered or or looked at and and read about is this is one of Prince's most covered songs. I, which I found kind of hard to believe uh, over his vast catalog and, you know i I think a lot of people especially who grew up like we did in the 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 80s their first exposure to this song wasn't on dirty mind it was probably cindy Lauper's cover yeah legitimately where i first heard it and didn't know it was a prince song until i actually bought dirty mind years later uh like in the late 80s early 90s and then i was like well i know this song and you know, so that's where it uh, my first access to it, it was uh with you know, believe it or not, you know, Cindy Lauper. So Yeah, yeah. The Cindy Lauper version off of um She's so Unusual, I mean that was a huge album for her,
0: obviously. So yeah. a lot of people's first glimpse of this song came off of that. And you know, she played it I believe played it live like on the American Music Awards or something like that. And right, so nineteen eighty
1: five, yeah. Yeah, apparently.
0: so there was some exposure there. And then uh, Mitch Ryder did a version of it as well. It had like a music video for it that was on MTV. Now, I I might have seen or heard of that version once. It wasn't like a big crossover hit or anything. But, you know, like you said, it's it's a very well, very frequently covered um, song of his. And I think kind of like along with I Feel For You, it's one of those songs that, you know, other people made it more famous and some don't even know or never knew that it was a print song until, you know, the internet or until it started getting, you know, words started leaking out about it. Otherwise, people wouldn't have known.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The, I, I feel for you was the same kind of thing. I didn't realize it was a print song until years later. Um, And, um, it was, yeah, the, the Mitch Ryder version I I didn't know existed. And again, until the other day when I I started doing a little bit of research and it's strange that both songs were covered. Like I, I think Cyndi Lauper's version was 83 and so was the Mitch Ryder one. So it's odd that two at least to me, that, you know, that two different, very, very different acts covered uh, the the same song in the same year. And, um, and a song that really wasn't all that old at that point. I mean, it was what, two or three years old at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's funny you mentioned about the covers too, because I was, this is just complete, you know, one of those kind of weird life serendipity type things. And um, I was in a record store on Friday with my daughter and they were playing a cover version of "When You Were Mine," but it was like a almost like countrified version of it. And I was I meant to ask the guy at the store who who who, who was by, <laughs> but I forgot it because my my I was with my daughter and she was you know asking me questions about things and it slipped my mind. And then I was as I was driving home, I was like, oh, I forgot to ask like who that who was doing this cover version of "When You Were Mine." I didn't know that there was a yeah. It's it's it's, it's odd. It definitely has like a country vibe to it, and I, I I you know I wish I would have asked, but I didn't. So there you go. Did it sound modern? <laughs> it did. um I said it was. Well, I wasn't. I wouldn't say it was. Maybe like more like a folkish country kind of sound it had. Okay. I, yeah. I mean that would be my my guess off the top of my head. But then I said I was. No, my daughter was, you know, asking me a bunch of questions, so I kind of got distracted. But, um, yeah, that's what happens when you take a teenager to a record
0: store. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, teenagers, my daughters might take them to the record store. They're just like, "Okay, Dad, when are we going to be done? (laughs) That's the kind of response I get when I take my kids to the record store. Like, oh, this is going to take forever.
1: (laughs) Oh, I hate Yeah, when you used to shop for slacks at Sears back in the day with your mom. (laughs) oh no, my mom's
0: either. the worst shopper she's so slow she looks at everything and tries everything on i hated that yeah no, I, I can kind of relate to how my kids probably feel when they when i drag them to a record store with me
1: no, she, <laughs> yeah, she was yeah, she was loving it but uh yes it, it did uh, distract me from this new ver- or at least to me new version of uh, this song so i don't know there is uh, you know another one out there and if you know maybe people will when we you know you post this maybe somebody will comment and say oh i know that version or i know what it was hopefully yeah maybe maybe (laughs) all right well um so when you were mine is
0: for me one of the best songs on the album although i do enjoy the entire album from start to finish but when you were mine was always one of the highlights and i think it's it's a combination of the music and the, the story slash lyrics um i like the music because it 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 has like this um like new wave synthesizer sound to it with the, you know the, the the guitar and' it's upbeat. and uh, it just has a different sound than a lot of like the disco and dance music that Prince had been making up to this point. And you know with thirty Mind, I feel like a, a lot of effort was made to change up his sound. Like he made a conscious effort to do things differently with this album. And clearly, from a lyrical standpoint, he did. I mean, the whole album has is just filled with songs that are a little bit subver- subversive and you know can spark some controversy. And um, you know he's playing around a little bit with with gender uh, gender dynamics and um, obviously a lot of sexual metaphors and sometimes just straight up sex songs. Uh, But this song is a little is doesn't really fall under the category of a sex song because it's more of a relationship song or I don't know, a love triangle song, if you want to call it that. But it just um, it's just different enough. And it was just interesting enough when I first heard it a long time ago that I was intrigued and I wanted to learn more about the lyrics the music drew me in, but the lyrics were tr- intriguing enough that I really wanted to find out what this song was about. And that was, you know, before lyrics were really widely posted uh, everywhere. It wasn't "Dirty Mind" wasn't an album that had the lyrics printed on liner notes. Gee, I so, wonder why. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wonder. And that uh, was probably a very uh, <laughs> conscious effort by Warner Brothers to not do yeah. that, let people <laughs> try to come to their own conclusions on what he was saying. Sure. Um, and yeah, like I said before, the internet—I couldn't just jump on and look up lyrics to "Win Your Mind," so it was kind of like it was my own task to figure it out.
1: Yeah, "Dirty Mind" is—I, is, that's why it's—it's it's funny to me that this wasn't a single in any way because it's I, to me off the album, it's—it's it's definitely the the poppiest song. Um, and yeah, it, it definitely you know has a, a very intriguing sound with the use of the, you know, the, the Oberheim, uh, synthesizer, if I can say that word correctly. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mystery is, I mean, you obviously can't, you know, put, uh, you know, like head or sister out as a, as a single. And this one, to me, if I was an executive, I would, you know, hearing that song, I would have thought, okay, this is our, this is our single here. I like to call a lot of Prince's songs. I mean, there aren't too many that are, are standard, you know, like love songs. I mean, they always seem to have an edge or some sort of, some sort of bite to them. Mm-hmm. And this is one to me that that's in, definitely in that vein as well. Again, very, you know, almost sad in a way. Uh, you know, here's a, again, a, a desperate individual kind of saying, well, I'll, I'll do whatever, you know, it takes to, um, you know, to be with you again, or, or you know, it, it, it always reminded me too, and later, and this is maybe a weird example, but, um, nine inch nails off their first album, you know, something I can never have, uh, reminds me of, of this as well. It's just, you know, I, there's something that I had that I wanted, but I let it go. And now I want it back. And, you know, it's a very almost juvenile thing, but it is you know, still human nature. You know, it's, it, 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 somebody has something that they're, they're enjoying and you want the same thing, or you want that as well. And, this obviously speaks to that. I loved you more when, you know, you were mine. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So as we go through the lyrics, we'll, we'll,
0: there's a lot of points in the lyrics where Prince gives examples of, of like, he looks back, like he's looking back a little bit on what transpired over the relationship. And then the chorus is all about him kind of uh, lamenting the fact that even though all of these things that he's singing about in the verses kind of sound awful, (laughs) stuff that he's experiencing really doesn't sound all that great like really abusive emotionally abusive type relationship but still in the chorus he, he tells us as the listener that he just he still wishes she was his and it's it sounds a little like you said sad it's a it's a bit of a sad song from that standpoint because there's really no reason why he should have to put up with this type of emotional abuse and um yeah I mean, repeated been, repeated yeah. Uh, cheating and <laughs> so
1: See, I, re- I remember hearing this well, well we'll get to it i guess maybe we can you know but uh, the one line that always kind of you know gets me is like you know when he said i let you fool around but why
2: yeah
1: okay i don't know i mean this, and this is you know again 1980 a good bit before You know, where the whole concept of, at least as a widespread thing, an open relationship was, uh, you know, something that was really um, talked about and or considered all that widely. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, another thing that uh, kind of
0: points to their relationship, if you put it, if you paint it in terms that are now, that exist now, that maybe didn't in 1980, I don't really know if they did or not. But the whole uh, cuck phenomenon, (laughs) you know, like that kind of relationship where the guy is just walked all over and she is she has the power. She's the one in control and she is the one calling the shots, not just in day to day, but mostly in the bedroom. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, I want to sleep with more guys. You know, I want to have sex with whoever. And and it's you don't have any say in that you would have to just live with it, put up with it, accept it um you can watch if you want
1: <laughs> but yeah yeah the know. whole cuckold thing i, I don't know either but it, there's apparently people that enjoy it okay good for you yeah yeah you know? right and i mean that's for like a, boat. it's like an alternate lifestyle but i don't think prince
0: yeah. enjoys it in this song
1: <laughs> no i would yeah it doesn't seem like it but no it doesn't seem like it at all <laughs>
0: Okay, so if we're looking at the lyrics, if we're just looking at verse one to start off, he he says the name of the song in the very first line, when you were mine, I gave you all of my money time after time. You done me wrong. So right there, he's just already kind of describing the power dynamics where she's taking money from him um, in spite of the fact that she keeps doing him wrong. He just keeps buying her whatever and just taking care of her financially for whatever reason. And then he goes, he was just like a train. You let all my friends come over and meet. And you were so strange. You didn't have the decency to change the sheets.
1: So I'm looking yeah, at that. That's, so that's a, one that always stuck out in my mind. Yeah, right? <laughs> Especially right? I mean, as, a, as a teenager hearing that it was kind of like, you just, your first response. I mean, at least I think for most people would be, ew. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? Yeah, that
2: there's, doesn't there's, sound
1: sanitary in any way. There's some imagery in, the, in that, you know,
0: grouping of lines that isn't, like you said, necessarily the, it doesn't sound pleasant. Um, no. It sounds a little, little gross. And, but I think, and this song is, he's really good at doing this, where you could take some of these lines literally, or you could, you could look at them as metaphors. Um, so in this section where he's talking about, it was just like a train, you let all my friends come over and meet. Well um he doesn't say have sex he says come over and meet so if you're just thinking of uh the way the words are phrased and and written come over and meet okay um are they just coming over to say hi and just she's introducing or she's being introduced to all these different men but you know the word it was just like a train i don't think that was an accident um, right, yeah to I had the had yeah. <laughs> that in there is just like a train. So he didn't say, let all my friends come over and have sex with you. But I'm pretty sure that's what he means, especially when he throws in the the line about didn't have the decency to change the sheets. it It really kind of hammers that metaphor home um, that she's really just sleeping with a number of different guys, and many of them Prince knows in this song, like friends of his or acquaintances.
1: Yeah, it, it's hard to take away anything other than, you know, maybe, a, you know, some sly, you know, sexual references with, with the train and whatever, but, um, and, and not you know, saying meat rather than, you know, use another verb or whatever you want mm-hmm. in, in that spot. <laughs> but it, it drives it home, obviously, when, you know, he, you know, the final, you know, stands, the final line of that is didn't have the decency to change the sheet. so. You have to assume that something other than sleeping was was going on. In the <laughs> bed. At least I I would. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody would. Right, but again, that, it, yeah, I remember distinctly on the, my first listen, you know, hearing that line, just going, "Hmm, ooh, okay,
2: yeah."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's on an album called
0: "Dirty Minds," so of course, <laughs> it's kind of fitting that this would be the kind of lyrics that would be included in a song off of an album named "Dirty Minds." Just just fits. continues on in that verse with oh girl when you were mine i used to let you wear all my clothes you were so fine maybe that's the reason that it hurt me so and the whole you know i used to let you wear all my clothes that just kind of goes back to prince playing around with with gender uh, gender roles and and you know using that um and it'll be discussed a little more in uptown on that song later on in the album but sure at this point in his career you know he was wearing bikini briefs on stage. He had, uh, you know, the long permed hair. Well, he did in the previous album. He would wear thigh-high boots with his bikini briefs. So he, his his, um, aesthetic was very uh, androgynous and playing around with, like I said, with gender and, and wearing lace and just things that were considered more frilly and girly. And so the fact that he said, I used to let you wear all my clothes isn't that surprising, knowing what his style was at the time and what kind of image he was putting out there?
1: Sure, I mean, I an interest I, in
0: his clothes. <laughs> the
1: one that, oh yeah, the the one I, I think that the one that always sticks out in my mind about more the the gender switching or the gender roles where uh, is you know if I was your girlfriend is the one that always sticks out in my mind, but um, you know that's pretty blatant. But wearing, yeah, I, I, that's the funny thing about this song, I guess, in a way is that I, myself, you know, never, I mean, it, it's just, it's, I guess, something that doesn't really click. I mean, but for Prince, obviously it, it does. I never had any, you know, burning desire to wear, you know, women's clothes. Um, And that, I guess, um, you know, again, to each their own. Um, but you didn't, you didn't grow up in Uptown, man, in the late no, 70s, I, early 80s. I, I didn't, of course, and. <laughs> Maybe if I grew up more in the, you know, the, uh, that era, you know, then it would be dangerous, I guess, especially as, as a teenager and kids, uh, a teenager and or kid, um, dangerous Prince albums. It just seemed almost pornographic, I guess, in a certain way. I mean, it's obviously called dirty mind. Here's this guy on the cover kind of dressed, you know, differently uh, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, I, you know, you kind of, But then once you, you know, get into it and explore it, it really, you know, doesn't matter anymore. It's just, you know, do you, you know, do you like the sound? Do you like the music and, you know, what's going on and all that kind of stuff? But clearly, yes. I mean, there's obviously some, um, you know, gender you know, flipping or gender experimentation here going on with her, him and her switching and swapping clothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, you said pornographic and that's, that's really not an inaccurate way to describe it for somebody who, was not familiar with that scene, you know, in the cities like in New York or in Minneapolis or whatever, where at the time, because, I mean, in the early 80s, you, you saw that a lot with our rock stars or even in the 80s in general, where rock stars would dress up like women. A lot of times they'd have the make the heavy makeup, the big hair, sometimes sure, wearing sure. women's clothes. And, and yeah, obviously, Boy George is one clear example of that that was most famous, but it was with. With all the ty- all types of men back then doing that, and that was just what rock stars did. Thanks to people like David Bowie and in, uh, in the seventies, doing similar things and just really experimenting with with uh, their visuals, yeah. what they were presenting out there. So for Prince to do that, it, it's really. It's not surprising, but still, it never fails to shock. If that's not what you're introduced to, or if you don't see that, and when you walk out your door and walk in your around in your neighborhood, you don't see any men dressing up like women and women dressing up like men. It's it feels a little. And when you said pornographic, I felt like the same way when I first saw the album because of the album cover, because of sure. the names of the songs on the back.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: head. Um, you know, I, I was just vaguely even aware of what that meant, but it just seemed—it <laughs> just seemed like it was very sexual and very dirty, and uh, I almost felt like I shouldn't be looking at this album. Like I shouldn't—I should put it back. It's not right. It's not uh, for me. Specifically. It's not for me, and uh, I might get in trouble if I'm
1: <laughs> right. Don't want mom too much. Yeah, see me looking at this. Um, but no doubt, and you know, that's again. I think that was why you know. It, uh, fortunately or unfortunately everyone said i i believe you you come to things when you're ultimately ready for them and it wasn't until yeah my late teens where i finally you know i guess felt comfortable listening to this album but and it was a lot of um reading a lot of the the, the rock you know journalism of the day and and you know rolling stone and that kind of stuff who always uh all the writers you know and those you know were talking about how great this album is and how overtly sexual and blah 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 and so You know, it was always intriguing, but still a little bit, you know, scary until you're actually kind of, uh, you know, ready for it. So then the chorus, as we kind of
0: already alluded to, but the chorus is pretty straightforward. He goes, I know that you're going with another guy. I don't care. And then there's like this echo afterward. Don't care. Don't care. I love you, baby. That's no lie. I love you more than I did when you were mine. And that goes back to the whole missing what he... Uh, doesn't have any more um, lamenting that it's gone, that he had it and he let it out of his grasp somehow, even though it was n- maybe not the healthiest. So he's going with another guy. So apparently one of the guys that, <laughs> that, that was introduced to her. Yeah. In the train.
1: Yeah. Again, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a very human thing. You know, it's, you're jealous of, of, you know, or you're longing or lamenting for a, uh. You know something that's lost to you, something that you know now is now out of reach for you, or was yours and is is somebody else's, and um, it's just yeah, it's human nature. You know, most people have that kind of longing, or you know, kind of thoughts, and you know, it it, it taps into that, a very primal kind of um, human emotion. You know, a yeah. little bit of jealousy, and you know, and oh, he won, he has that. Well. I want that. And how can I go about taking that from him? It's, you know, it's obviously something that, um, you know, we all, I guess, uh, you know, struggle with or, you know, and then kind of learn as you get older to kind of curtail that a little bit, but still it's always, you, you have those kind of thoughts or, or, jealous, you know, pangs. Um, you know, at least again, I do. So I'm sure yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not alone they, in that.
0: <laughs> so. No, no, of course not. And, uh, it's, it's just interesting that, he claims that he loves her more now that she's not with him. So maybe he's just also apologetic a little bit. I love you more than I did when you were mine. Maybe I didn't, although I don't understand what he could have, else he could have done to, to lay down her
1: money and letting her have her clothes. So, um, and it's not, it's, it's, I think to me, maybe more that's, um, the emotion just feels a little bit more raw. I think now that you're experiencing that respect, maybe it's not that he loves her more. It's just, it feels that way. It's, it's yeah. because the, the jealousy or, you know, whatever is kind of heightening that right. a little bit. And yeah, it, certainly. It, it definitely feels that way, but maybe not so much. It's just the, the best way to express it is it feels like I love you more now that I can't have you. And I, I think yeah. that's pretty, at least in my mind, again, that's, that's what I would think it, it's re- yep. kind of relating to. Yeah, I
0: agree with that as well. I don't think he really does truly love her more. I think he just feels like he does because she's not with him. starts off verse two with repeating the name of the song when you were mine just kind of like reminding the listener okay now now we're talking about back when they were together when i was with this woman so this this next verse is going back in time when you were mine you were kind of sort of my best friend so i was blind i let you fool around and i that we come back to that part where um he talks about her fooling around on him again, and you know he already expressed that uh, sentiment in the first verse, but he's repeating it basically, just saying she's not monogamous. <laughs> faithful, faithful, monogamous. Yeah, yeah. He's not. She's obviously not monogamous with him. I let you fool around. I never cared. I never was the kind to make a fuss when he was there, sleeping in between the two of us. Uh, so I think this is. And I, that last line always it's always been one of the key lines in the song, I think, because people just gravitate towards that line and they they want to interpret it I think one of two ways. And maybe there's more ways to interpret it, but I've always interpreted one of two ways once again, the literal sleeping in between the two of us. I mean, was there some sort of threesome dynamic going on was is prince uh, is his character admitting bisexuality because he's literally sleeping with her and this new boyfriend that she has. Or is it more of like symbolism or like a metaphor for sleeping in between the two of us, meaning like he's come between them and now that she's sleeping with this other guy, it's come between it's, it's broken apart the dynamic between Prince and this girl where She's not interested in him anymore because now she's sleeping with this other guy. So it's he's come between the two of them and their relationship.
1: I always took it as um, a metaphor, you know, yeah. rather than literal. Now there's a divide between them, and uh, rather than a literal kind of menage a trois or you know whatever you want to call it, I always took I always thought that was kind of way. If if somebody's your best friend, you know you're they're your best friend, not kind of sorta. <laughs> I know. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, so is it, is it, you know, is it, I think it's more of just a phrasing thing. It just sounded good rather than, okay. You know, if you, if you know, somebody's your, your best friend, you, you, you don't have any, there's nothing to debate. It's, you know, you don't, it's not wishy washy. It's okay. This person is this in, in your life. So, but it could be, it sounds, you know, I always took that too, is it? he's just kind of hedging a little bit, like saying, oh, well, we're just saying that in a way. It's like, well, you were kind of sort of my best friend. And he doesn't want to c- completely admit to that because it's, you know, the, the, the weirdness of the whole situation overall, um, kind of hedging. You mm-hmm. know. Those two lines, you know, that line and the, you know, sleeping in between the two of us are the two biggest, uh, you know, takeaways or the biggest ones that, that stick out to me there. And again, it a lot of this song, has that kind of almost, you know, the the, the bluesy plaintiveness, you know, the a lot of the older type songs where it's, you're just not, every, you know, the, every woman, are, you know, seems to be the, you know, the mean mistreater kind of thing. And uh, you wonder, you know, again, who is he writing about? You know, who, is there a specific person? And it, again, it you know, was never mentioned that I could find that this was written about a specific person. It seems to just have been a kind of almost off the cuff kind of thing that he did. And you know, you wonder who are these people that are, are this this terrible, or where does he find? Maybe he needs to find some new women, or get some you know, find go into different area and you know look at some other uh, possible uh, mates. Yeah, it kind of makes you feel or wonder if like Prince was
0: in a not so great frame of mind when he wrote this song, and and sure maybe this didn't actually happen to him, but just to come up with a song that is. Or the lyrics of a song that's so so poppy and so bouncy musically speaking but then to throw lyrics onto it that really are like we said very very sad and just a little a little depressing and um, painful and so it's just you wonder where he was at in his frame of mind when he wrote this uh, don't know but it's makes you wonder and i think like with
1: Well, uh, yeah, apparently he was on tour with Rick James. So maybe he was talking about that kind of stuff with that crazy bastard.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was
2: (laughs) maybe he
1: was just observing some Rick James madness and uh, he was like, Hmm, I can riff on that a little bit. Who who knows? But, you know, that uh, that it's just kind of you. I to me, I, I always wonder where an artist is or what frame of mind they're in when, you know, they put something like this, they commit something like this to paper or tape or however you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever their medium is. So, yeah, yeah. I just, I just get the feeling from the song
0: that he, the protagonist is let things go a little too far. Like he, he let himself be used and walked on or walked over to the point where it actually ruined the relationship. Like he was, too willing to bend over backwards for her that it ended up instead of try instead of actually just pleasing her and and going above and beyond to try to please her and make her happy it ended up uh, ending their relationship because then she found somebody else and so if it, it even if it was just initially about the sex and she was only into just you know having multiple partners for sexual satisfaction uh, i think what ultimately came to came of it is that she found somebody through this process that she was uh, felt was a better, better mate, better suitor than than Prince was in the song. So it's almost like he made the mistake of letting it go too far. And so, like in the first verse, he talks about multiple men. Um, all my friends came over to meet, but yeah. then all, all of a sudden now there's just one. There's just like one key guy that seems to have gotten in between them that she is spending um, her time with so like he didn't really care before it was just always seemed like it was just a casual thing and it was it wasn't a big deal she would always come back to me at the end of the day but now that's not the case now he's sleeping there and so he's literally and figuratively sleeping in between the two of them
2: in
1: some
0: cases so it's it's uh yeah it's just
1: kind of another take on it i guess Right, and I I think the thing too, you wonder about like it, it's like a self respect thing. It's like, doesn't this guy just have any? Why didn't you just leave? I mean, you, don't you have any self respect? Just be like, okay, this is the way it's going to be, or this is the way you're treating me. Then you know, I'm I'm out. Um, I don't I don't need this. I I can do other things. And it wasn't until I guess later, as as an adult, where you kind of understand maybe that those feelings a little more. It's when things get kind of uh, heavier. And uh, more, I guess, have more meaning or feeling to them. Um, you can understand, uh, at least from my again perspective, uh, I can understand this perspective a little bit more than I could when I was younger. A little more black and white about things. Thank you.
0: then after the second verse he goes into the chorus again which is sung in the same way i know that you're going with another guy i don't care because i love you baby that's no lie i love you more than i did when you were mine there's a musical break at this point and then he sings a few lines in the bridge when you were mine you were all i ever wanted to do now i spend my time following him whenever he's with you And with this line, again, I think there's more than one way that you can interpret it. Uh, So is is he, that last line, following him whenever he's with you, is he stalking them? Like, is he literally following them around because he's so kind of obsessed with the end of this relationship and who she's chosen now as a mate? And the way he says it, following him whenever he's with you instead of following her. So it's almost like he's obsessed with this new guy that she's with. Like, why? What is it about him that makes him more appealing? And how, why did you end up choosing him over me at the end of the day? So, but is he, but is he literally following him or is it just kind of like keeping tabs, you know, or just, I don't know. I mean, do you have a different kind of take on
1: this? No, I mean, I I always took it um, as, as the stalker. You know, the kind of thing it's, you know, he's, he's so bad in shape. And so, um, just, uh, wrecked by this whole thing that he can't, you know, move past it in a sense. So he's, and he's, you know, he's got nothing to do now. And it seems that, so the obsession has kind of taken over and he's, you know, following them, you know, or like you said, I, I never really looked at that way. I always took it as him following a couple, um, Rather than, but it it would be interesting if he was just following him maybe to try, try and glean something or, you know, take away something that, you know, well, what, why does she love him and not me? And, you know, it, that would be obviously, I think, a bit of a weirder scenario if he was just following, you know, the, the guy around rather than them as a unit or as a couple. Um,
0: yeah, but, I think he's still following them as a couple because he says yeah. following him whenever he's with you. Right. So it doesn't imply that he's like really that. Interested in him when he's not with her, but it's just I just found it interesting that he focuses on
1: him when they're together. like yeah, he, he doesn't say I follow you guys or, or he doesn't use the term as a couple. Or he's saying you know he's he, but he mentions you know him specifically. So yeah, yeah. So it it does it does make you think a little bit. I mean,
0: whether or not he wrote it that way to spark a little extra thought behind it. Um, I don't know, but it certainly does. It makes you wonder, like, is why is why is that focus and energy on him when they're together instead of her when she's the one that he claims to love more now than, than when I mean, they're it, together? It
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, but yeah, it's like he's lonely. He's he's has nothing better to do with his time because he's a little obsessed by the end of their relationship. You were all I ever wanted to do, and now I spend my time. So it's it's. It's very kind of like we've said multiple times, it's it's sad. It's just you don't feel good for this person in this song. this It's very unhealthy. <laughs> he's got a very unhealthy outlook.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he maybe needs to get it a hobby.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and now and now in nineteen or now uh, from nineteen eighty to two thousand nineteen, this this phrase, this line can take on a different meaning, following him whenever he's with you meant something different in 1980 than it does now because now you can follow somebody you know you can cyber stalk somebody and you don't even have to leave your house really to um stalk stalk another person so nowadays following him whenever he's with you could just literally mean cyber stalk the
1: guy <laughs> yeah which obviously <laughs> you know, find out he's, like he's, where
0: where he's going and what right. he's
1: doing and it's a much to easier thing to... you don't even have to leave uh leave your house or you don't have to leave, you know, your office or whatever you, you can do that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it took, I mean, in 1980 to actually, you know, to physically, you know, stalk people, it took a good deal of effort. You had to kind of really put the, 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 time in. And now you can just, you know, with a couple of clicks of your phone or your, your mouse, you can, you know, find out a, a plethora of information that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you, that would be at your fingertips rather than, you know, it, it would have been, you know, 40 odd years ago. So yeah but just thinking of it from a modern audience listening to the song
0: now they could hear that line and and interpret it completely different if they're just putting it in their 2019 lens and just thinking of it from that way and not thinking of it how it was written
1: in the time it was written but it works i mean it really works either way yeah i mean because yeah i mean when you you know when you on twitter or instagram or wherever i mean you're you're you know you have followers you're you know people who are following you or you know youtube subscribers all that kind of stuff so yeah it definitely works in that that frame as well yeah that
0: term is taking on a different meaning in in the um social media age no doubt so then he goes back into the chorus i know that you're going with another guy i don't care because i love you baby that's no lie i love you more than i did when you were mine and then the outro to the song moves on from there and he just sings when you were mine you know love you baby, love you baby when you were mine and that's brings us to the end of the song and I think at this point you're just kind of left a little bit taken aback you know it's real final line of the song is that following him whenever he's with you because the rest of it's just chorus that you've already heard and it, it's a it's a bit devastating from a listener standpoint like you're listening to this song and you're just thinking to yourself this is this is a guy who's really damaged. And, and although the song, as I mentioned, is very upbeat, um, it has, you know, these bright, bright synth lines and, you know, it just, it doesn't sound like a song that like if you, uh, swap lyrics with, you know, something else that, um, it would work. And this could be like a number one pop hit. I think the reason, maybe the reason why I'll, I'll never really know unless somebody comes forward that it wasn't chosen, as a single, in spite of its, the, the the music that could have crossed over, and had that appeal is just the the song itself, the lyrics and the story being told is just a little too too dark, maybe,
1: for pop radio. It, yeah, it is baffling as to I mean, as I, I was saying earlier, it is baffling that this was not a single off this album. Um, just again, like you said, for the musical hooks. Um, The lyrics, yeah, I mean, a lot of times that can be, I I think, you know, I mean, look at a lot of, you know, songs that were popular and got a lot of radio play. There's some. Every uh, breath to take by the police. Of course. Exactly. That, you know, is clearly a a stalker's anthem. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, this doesn't quite you know, go to that level. I mean, it, it, it mentions at the end, you know, and, and again, like you said, that's what you're left with. That's the takeaway from the song. He's going to be, you know, there's no resolution. He's going to be, I guess, following them and until either she comes back or he moves on. That's the the, the takeaway I, I get from it. But, um, it's funny, you, you know, even as an adult, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to songs that I, I, you know, were popular to me as, as a kid or, and, you just listening to it through a, an adult lens or adult perspective, you know, you take away something completely different. I think if this was played in you know pop radio in the eighties, I, I think it would have been you know fine. I, I don't, I, I just don't. At least in my mind, I don't see that the lyrics maybe being the threshold or the the thing that kept it from being a single. But so you're right.
0: There was a lot of songs out there, and there still is with with lyrical content that could be considered dark or. Maybe disturbing to an extent, but still very successful pop songs.
1: Yeah, I mean and... the one I just thought of too is like Radiohead's "Creep." Obviously, um, <laughs> well, in the nineties, in the nineties, it was popular. That yeah, was more acceptable. Music. Yeah, I mean it was right. That was that was you know the way it wanted to go. But that, that's well, just flagellation was like a movement. So <laughs> I'm a loser, baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, right, yeah. Yeah, back yeah, you got it, yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, yeah, and Billy Corgan had the, the shirt that said zero and, and yeah. That nonsense. Yeah. yeah, that was that was what was <laughs> popular. But yeah, and
0: then in the nineteen eighties it was it was starting to get that way. I mean, um and this this came out in eighty, but honestly it was to the cusp of the eighties. So it was we're talking the nineteen seventies probably written or at least very, very early eighties. And the sound, I just think the sound is was pr- fairly progressive for for a black artist, soul music or R and B music, it, or soul or funk, disco there. or funk, and to to do something where he's he's borrowing from other genres that were starting to make become popular or had been popular, like new wave, or you know doing things like bands like the Cars were doing or because uh, i get i get a cars vibe when i hear this song and that's maybe just me because i'm a fan of the cars but um i've always i always had a cars vibe from this song just the way the the synth and the guitar and they were they did a lot of that in their career so that's what i get from it and i know that that maybe other people hear other things in this song um but that's always what i kind of got out of it was it was cars influenced and i have
1: no idea if it actually was or not to be honest with you the true genesis of, of that prince minneapolis sound the blending of the guitar and and the uh, the keyboards and you know maybe the, you know not the, the synth type you know, the, maybe the the synth type drums or the you know the not quite the the regular you know drums
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you had mentioned it in the opening that it was definitely a different vibe and sound from the first you know two prince records for you and and prince and this is really I'm going to do what I'm going to do and here it comes and this is what I'm doing now. And it kind of, you know, set him on the way to what we see, you know, it was the, the first step in a much larger world into what controversy in the 90, you know, 1999 became, um, you know, just singing about what he wanted to sing about. Um, not, you know, just laying it out there and, and the, the heavy, you know, keyboard and, and synth type sounds. um, you know, melding that with again, like a you know a guitar, you know, pop rock kind of sensibility, uh, like the car. I think a lot of people
0: would cite and agree with you that it kind of started here with "Dirty Mind," and um, it and it evolved from there, obviously with controversy and music that the time was putting out with Prince's involvement shortly after. But yeah, this is this is really kind of it. And "When You Were Mine" is that song that a lot of people point to where the the melding of the genres came together in in really what i consider one of the more perfect pop songs that he did at this time even if it never was a hit this song has a much more importance as a prince song than a pop song or or a hit a crossover hit so no doubt do you have any other final thoughts on when you were
1: mine i know you just kind of did that so anything else yeah, you want to um i guess you know the, the final thought that i have and I get, we touched on it maybe in the beginning we're talking about you know the first time hearing this song is and it was only a scant three years later say when when cindy lopper recorded it and, and put it out there um what do you think the difference was like, why what in three years happened when you have a woman st- singing from a male perspective still mm-hmm. she didn't yeah. change you know guy to girl or anything like that why it was not a a hit for Prince and a hit for, for Cindy Lauber.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's just the change, changing of the musical landscape at that time. I don't know if MTV had anything to do with it, where you could see people singing the songs that you can only hear before. And you saw the, 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 the visuals that went along with it. You saw what the singers looked like. And a lot of the new wave artists at the time and, and Cindy was kind of bouncing between dance and new wave and rock and um, I think it was just people were more open and, and accepting of of songs with different different takes, different perspectives. And MTV, like I said, I think opened a lot of doors that way at the time. It just it, it, it introduced those of us in middle America or just in small towns or wherever to these artists' um, aesthetics and. At the time when Prince was putting forth his look for Dirty Mind, unless you were going to his shows or you were paying close attention to like what was being written about him, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have registered in a way that if MTV had been around at the time and he would have put out his music videos and you could have seen it. I don't know if that explains why it could have been a hit, but I think weird was cool. You know, if there was a period where being different and being out there and outrageous looking was accept much more acceptable than it was in the seventies. And this is since this is so early eighties pre MTV, I just feel like the, there was, it was more openness to being
1: different and, and a little, uh, middle uh, off center off kilter. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the title of the album says it herself. She's so unusual. And yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, the the genesis or the explosion of MTV between 1980 and 1983. And I think was probably, you know, a a, a good reason as to why, you know, this became something for her and not, not for him, not for
2: Prince.
0: Or it is because it's safer because it was a woman singing it. And we've always, as a society, at least in the United States, I can speak to that gender bending is considered more acceptable for women (laughs) than men. You know, I mean, we have oh, like yeah. this yeah. this so thing doubt. where we do not like our men to look like women at all uh, as a society. But, you know, women, yeah, sure, you can you can do whatever.
1: Yeah. It's I know okay. that's
0: not really true. It's not honestly you can't say that. But I think there was more acceptance to that, maybe with a woman singing a song about potentially threesomes and gender bending. And it was just um, maybe not quite as dangerous.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I hear you on that
0: all right well thanks jerry uh once again i wanted to thank jerry bonner for joining me i've been your host jason Redinger, and get a hold of me on twitter instagram facebook press rewind